Well, good morning, Abundant Life, and Happy New Year. All right. Well, Luke chapter 4, verse 19 is not my key text today, but it says, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, I want to let you know, it doesn't offend heaven at all if you're believing for the year of the Lord's favor in 2019. How many of you want to do that? Come on, are you with me today, church? That you can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for you, for your household. We're believing it for this church throughout this next year and believing for God to do a great and mighty work in us. This today is a message that will really catapult us into our new series as we move into next week that we start our series on immeasurably more. We believe, Ephesians 3, that scripture verse, that God has immeasurably more for us as a body of believers. And we want you to come by faith believing of the immeasurably more that God is calling you and I to, and also this church to in 2019. So don't miss the series. Keep coming back. It's great to see this place full today, our first Sunday of the year, and good to have you with us. First Kings chapter 19 today verse 21. If you go there in your Bibles, your smartphone, or if you don't have any of those, look at the screens behind me. Or there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And this is really the call on Elisha's life that we see take place in a very dramatic display. And you see here it says, so Elisha left him, meaning Elijah. Elisha left Elijah, and he went back and took his yoke of oxen he slaughtered them, he burned them, and the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Now, this might be unfamiliar or familiar, but just kind of a little bit reviewed to you today. Elijah was the most famous prophet in the land. At that time, he facilitated the work of God in the form of miracles throughout the nation. He was an advisor to the king. He was really highly acclaimed as a man of God. Then you go to Elisha, and you see he is younger than Elijah, that he is born into a wealthy farming family. We see that here. He's the younger. Their property that they had as a family was located in the breadbasket of the Jordan River Valley. We know that, and we see that geographically. So if you look at it in that day, so most family farms consisted of one pair of oxen and one single plow, but Elisha had 12 yoke of oxen along with the family farm hands to plow with those oxen. It was a big deal. I mean, you think about it, they were like an enterprise. They were so big compared to everybody else. The older prophet comes along, steps out into the field where the younger Elisha is farming, throws his cloak over him takes his jacket off, throws his cloak over him, and you see in that moment something that was very symbolic. Something very symbolic took place that when a cloak was placed on you, you see that there was something special that God has seen in your life and you were invited to follow him. That, you know, if you want to come and follow, that's great. You're welcome to do that. There's no pressure. It was not a sales pitch. But, but now it's dependent on the person that receives the cloak to take it up and to do what God has called him to do. It's not a pressure. You have to. Are you better? But as you look in the Bible, you see this cloak was an outer garment that was placed upon someone as a symbol of authority and a symbol of 
God's anointing. Literally, you see this spiritually, but also physically, that when the cloak went over them, that they were wrapped up in God's presence in the anointing of God. That Now, this word anointing sometimes is hard to understand, but not to dumb it down too much for you, but it really is the special touch of God upon your life where you're at. The special touch of God upon you in your life wherever you are at, the anointing of God. So Elisha has Elijah's cloak thrown around his shoulders, and Elijah is walking down the road. You know, and Elisha, and you look into this story, tells Elijah, hey, just a moment, that bears witness with me, but I am going to go back, if you let me, and first and take care, finalize some business with my family, and so forth. So he goes back, and the Bible tells us in this portion of Scripture, even before this, that he is burning the plowing equipment, and he slaughters his oxen, which did not mean he was quitting his job, right? It was more than quitting a job. It meant divesting himself of his share in the family business. Picture this if you can. Realize it wasn't a play it safe moment. It was a very risky and all in act of obedience to God's plan for his life. The oxen slaughtering, burning event represents a one day decision. A one day decision. Can you say one day? One day, it's a one-day decision in this that changed his life. There, there is power in our decisions today. How many of you know that? There is power in our decisions tomorrow if God gives us tomorrow. There's power in one-day decisions, and this is a powerful one-day decision and experience for Elisha. It represents a decision that to leave behind his former way of life and look forward to God's beckoning on his life. God is calling you and I onward today. Today, today, God is calling us onward one way or another. Say onward. One way or another, one way or another, onward, one way or another, God is calling you and me. What you have to understand in this is that Elisha was called to leave a life of luxury and enter a life of service. So I understand this. The path to surrendering to, to something greater goes through the valley of surrender, sacrifice, and service every time. Are you with me? The path to something greater in your life today goes through sacrifice and surrender and submission, submission, no matter where you were at at this moment in your life, it always goes through that pathway. Philippians 3.14, the apostle Paul says, and you might remember this, forgetting what is what behind and straining towards what is, yes, I press toward the mark. And here is how it reads in the message version. It says, God is beckoning us onward. God is beckoning us Onward. It's not just me, it's we. He's saying God is beckoning us onward. Not forcing us, but beckoning us. He's beckoning you right now. God is beckoning us where? Onward. God is beckoning us where? Onward. So to what? To Jesus' plan? to his purpose, to follow him in our heart. And I love how Paul finishes off this verse. He says, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back. See, onward means different things for different people. 
It really does. It also means multiple things for people as well. You move onward and you do that, you think, well, it's not probably as dramatic as Elisha's, maybe not, but in the context of where you are, you are at in your life today is significant, it is meaningful, and it is an absolute commitment to God. So I want to ask you today, first week, uh, weekend of the year, brand new year, I want to ask you to be really honest and be forthright. What is God beckoning in your life right now? What is God inviting you into because he's inviting every single one of us into something? Right? You can't disconnect yourself from this. You and I are human, but God, as we come, and if you're a child of God today, he's beckoning you and I onward. Where is he beckoning you? Where is he inviting? Not a trick question, but I want to give out some suggestions today over the next few moments. You'll consider these thoughts as we move through this message for where you are right now. Where is God beckoning you onward? What's the next step for you in terms of God showing you where you should go onward? Somebody shout, what's next? What's next? Here's a hint. Anybody like some hints? I'm going to give you a few hints today and you take it if, if you want it. It's going to be some sort of call to action in your life. It's going to be some sort of call to action for you to act. Something in regards to how you currently allocate your time, your resources, and your energy. Some sort of call to action. Hmm, God's beckoning for your life is going to feel risky. I want you to know that. God's inviting you to something risky. So you cannot start a new chapter without ending the old one. I want you to know that. How many of you are with me today? Listen, you can't keep your foot in the old chapter and in the new chapter at the same time because we're not able to do that and it'll tear us apart. You can't start a new chapter without ending the old chapter first. That means things have to go and things have to die. So I'm going to show you this as a breakdown in this story. Do you believe that God has something for you beyond where you're at right now? I just wonder, everybody in this room that believes that, can I see your hand? Yeah. That you believe that there's something for you beyond where you're at right now. You're believing that. Here's another hint. God is going to beckon you out of your safe place. He's going to call you to open waters again. The ship is going to go out to sea rather than be tied up at the dock. And we have to know this, that this... Comfort, comfort, comfort is way overrated. Some of you didn't like that because you're just a good old American. I like my comfort. I, am I supposed to do this and pad my wallet and my future? And I'm supposed to do this and, I, and, I'm, and I'm supposed to be comfortable, aren't I? So listen, you got to understand this. If you obey, it will make you uncomfortable for a while, but you'll be blessed and rewarded by God. But comfort's way too overrated. Kristen and I are thankful for our three wonderful children. They are joy in our lives. But it took nine months of being uncomfortable. How many of you are women? Yeah. Every mama will tell you that, though there, that there's a lack of comfort, but it's worth the joy. Being uncomfortable is worth life. See, that's what it means on the other side of this. Some of you say, I don't want to be uncomfortable. But on the other side of uncomfortability is life. You can't get to life being comfortable. 
You can't. You can't show me in the Bible anywhere that that's true. And so, listen, if you try to tell your wife she's uncomfortable to be comfortable, you might get slapped. Maybe you did already. But listen, she's uncomfortable for a season, and she's uncomfortable for a reason, right? Being comfortable is way too overrated. So when you're too comfortable, your blood pressure goes up. You're like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does, because you're not doing what God's called you to do. You know, comfort food is way too overrated. Some of you right now, all you can think about is your comfort food after this message. That's all you can think about, your comfort food. Comfort food is way too overrated, all right? You need to know this. Listen, when it goes in, you feel comfortable, but it comes out a different way. It's probably not going to be that comfortable, right? Comfort is way too overrated. Some of you need to hear this. Your goal cannot be to become more comfortable this year. Are you with me, church? Holla back this morning. Are you, be- are you there? My, my, you said, my goal for 2019 in my journal is to become more comfortable. And I would tell you, shut up. <laughs> right? Comfort is not the goal of this life. You don't go to where God wants you to go and have what he wants you to have being comfortable. You need to know that. How do you do that? Well, by getting up. And doing what you're not comfortable doing. By taking steps, by being committed to getting out there in the real life and facing some of the challenges that are uncomfortable to experience the life that God has for you. I'm a little fired up this morning, and I just hope that you're with me in this on the first Sunday. Amen? So are you ready to keep moving? When God beckons us onward, when God throws the cloak and bids your heart to come, It's something where you ask, God, what is the next step for me? What is the next step? And you and I can't have progress without the next step. Your progress is in that God has an amazing year lined up for you and me. Our part in the progress is to burn some plows and to slaughter some oxen. So, see, the act of uh, of burning the plows is saying, listen, I'm done with those things that keep jerking me around in my life. Now are you with me? See, some of you are so accustomed to the things that are out in front of you jerking you around, like your attitude, like your funky behavior, like the lies you keep telling, like the immorality that you keep living in. And all you are is continue to be used to those things, jerking you around and taking you like a plow into these things that you shouldn't be in and you should be getting freedom over. Amen? You got to stop letting these things jerk you around. Amen? God has given us power. So when God beckons us onward, it means God has something for us we cannot experience by staying where we are. When Elisha made his move, he didn't know the significance at that time. What would be the outcome for his future? There's no way. He had no idea. that He couldn't have known. It was just one day. It was one decision, you know, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to cut all these other ties, and I'm going to go forward, and I'm going to give my best. And, and then he, what did he do? He began to walk with his mentor. He prayed a prayer, and he said, God, I want a double portion of Elijah's anointing. A double portion, you know, that's just not like, hey, I just want to be like him or, I want, you know, I want to be passionate. No, God, I want a double portion. And here's what some realize and maybe others don't, but during 
His 60 years of ministry, Elisha performed or facilitated 28 miracles, which is exactly twice as many as the 14 performed by Elijah. Twice. Double. God, I want a double portion of what you have given my mentor. There is no way he could have known that when he asked that. There is no way on the day that the beckoning came that he would have known the outcome in the future for that. That is why I'm talking to you about this today. There is no way you could know the significance one decision can have in your life and for your future. God will use your obedience to save others. God will use your obedience to impact your family, to bless your children, to change a community if you will allow it with even the one-day decisions that you and I have today. The doors of opportunity will be open. There's no way we can know right now, but time will tell us. But it's often the reason why we don't enter into it is because we have fear. One of the top fears out there is in our lives is the fear of the unknown. We don't do most of the things we maybe would like to do is because there's the fear of the unknown. If I do that, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, the ripple effect, the domino effect. That's why we don't enter into and do many times what God has called us to do because it's the unknown zone and we are fearful, right? We don't really know the significance of a one-day decision to go onward. You may be here today and you're not quite fully committed to Jesus Christ. And you're sort of lingering, but, but, but you're, you're not fully there, you know? You have no idea, though, what, what could happen on the other side of when you make a, a full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ today. You have no idea that one decision that could influence other people than to do the same thing. And some of you, we got young men and young women here today, and we love you. We know you, that you're here today for a reason, and we applaud that but, but maybe you just say, well, I know what church is all about, but you kind of sort of linger in the zone of, of both worlds where you have friends that are Christ followers and you go to church and, and, and those things, and then, then you, you move out of here and you got friends outside of here. And we are to have friends with people that don't know Christ, but, but we have to understand that you can't follow after the world and after Jesus at the same time. You have no idea that you are going to have to burn the plow and slaughter the oxen, that God can use that, that one decision of yours to influence many others around you to begin to make a decision, one decision of influence to help others walk in obedience. We have no idea. If we make a commitment today in 2019, I'm speaking to those that are young that maybe just wonder, they're just lingering, you know, but they're not fully in. There may be people in this room today that you've known God for a lot of years and, and you've been a part of this church for a lot of years, but, 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 but you've just kind of lingered. And I just want to let you know today that God has a whole lot more in store for you. And listen, it's more than just coming to church on Sunday morning, but it's being fired up every single day because you got a pulse and God has you alive for this season and for a reason of what he wants to birth in you. The mantle, the cloak is on you for a reason. And we just linger sometimes. We linger rather than being all in. So wouldn't it be great? There are people here that are trying to please people. Onward could mean turning away from pleasing people and investing yourself in pleasing God. For some of you, you are wasting so much time trying to please the people in your life. 
You're wasting so much of your time putting the energy there, and you know, you're just wanting their approval on everything. And, and you got to know that, that sometimes the people you're following, they're not kingdom minded. They're not kingdom minded. And we get so caught up in pleasing the people around us many times. No one speaks up and challenges us. But, but, but the truth is that some of you are more into pleasing people than you are in pleasing God. I was, I, I was, I was uh, young once too and speaking to this younger generation that, yeah, you want friends and you get the pressure and you feel all of that and you want to be in, you want to be in the in crowd and, and all of that. And I, and I look back now that, that I'm older and I look back and think, wow, yeah, I did bend to that and, and, um, and I understand why friendships are vital. Please hear my heart. The right friendships are so, so vital. But, but life goes on, and I, I begin to look back, and, and I think, you know what? Why did I put all that energy in to be accepted by the crowd, and now they're nowhere to be found? And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, if anyone loves father or mother, brother or sister more than me, he's not worthy of me. We're to, we're to love our family, but saying, he's saying, listen, if you love your family more than you love me and pleasing me, he said, you're not worthy of me. That's a strong word. Wouldn't you agree? What I'm saying is you got to burn some plows and you got to cut some oxen up. God didn't save you to just continue in your family tree in normal ways. God saved you to begin a new legacy in your home in your house, with your children, literally influencing up the family tree and down the family tree and all those that are around you. It's time to burn the plow and cut up the oxen in your life. I believe God is speaking to people right now of telling you what he wants you to do. He's speaking to your heart. I sense God just speaking to people, even in this room today, that the Holy Spirit is revealing himself in ways that you're going to have to burn the plow and cut up the oxen. Moving onward, maybe getting past the pain of loss, the pain of hurt, or, or you know, it, it could be a job, a business, whatever. See, the residue of loss can linger for, for past the loss itself so much longer. What I mean by residue is the emotional dynamic, the sadness, the sorrow. You keep asking yourself the same questions over and over and over again, and you're not getting an answer to what you want, and you need to move forward. You need to move onward today. So for this message, onward means moving on to what's ahead of you. See, in order for you and I to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave something behind. We don't just get to follow Jesus and bring our crap with us. We don't get that choice. A lot of people are hanging out in two different realms all the time. No wonder why the Bible says you're unstable because you're double-minded in all of your ways. But you and I don't get privy to the fact that we, when we follow Jesus, that we get to carry other things with us. No, when we follow Jesus, we cut things off of our life and we die to ourselves. That's where it hurts. That's where the pain comes in. And we realize God is beckoning us on. Onward as a church, onward into this new year that your healing that you need in your heart, your healing's found in moving forward. And it's time for the church to take the steps forward that your joy is found in moving onward. Your strength is found in moving onward today. That's where your joy and strength. And so, you know, today as I prepare for this weekend, as we prepare 
for, for this weekend. You know, I ask and, uh, my staff many times, and we, we uh, have a lot of conversations about, hey, I don't like, hey, who is that family that came in? And we're interested in them. Who's that person there? You know, and, and that, I, I'm not trying to sound weird or creepy. That's, that's just, that's out there. But, but we do that uh, realizing that in our hearts there's a burden that we have for people that are here, that are come, that are hungry, that maybe are in pain, so that you come, and I, as I look out, you know, on any given Sunday, and as I lock eyes with people, there's some people while I'm preaching, they kind of sit up straighter in their seat, because why? Well, because the word of the Lord is in them, and it's attaching to something, and I realize the Holy Spirit, not me, the Holy Spirit of God has already prepped the soil of their heart to speak to that moment, and they're sitting up way, way tall, so, so if, if I lock eyes with you, and I see that you're really hungry, I really know that God is doing something in you. You're not here. You're not bored. You're not just here lingering. You're here because you're hungry. Amen? You're here because you're sitting up straight because God's Spirit is speaking to you where you are at. See, we get deeply connected to people. See, this thing called church for our pastoral staff is more than just saying, oh, well, we had a great service Sunday. Oh, boy, it better be more than that. Some people are locked in that, wow, well, Sunday was great. The whole world, no. No, this is the celebration. We come together and we get encouraged, but there's a burden that we carry of people that are lost and people that are in this room right now, people that came to our first service, people that came through to our ministries throughout the week, the people that come to our life groups and, and our groups throughout the week and, and our different ministries that we have a burden deeply connected, like the progress in people's heart. Is there, are they walking with the Lord? Are they connected to him? There are times when God tells me, you need to turn that person over to me, John. And let me deal with them. And you focus on those that are ready to move forward. It doesn't mean we love people less. It just means we're moving onward. The people that want to go onward with their faith that want to connect. See, after 25 years of pastoring, there have been times when God says, you have to move on, and I'm calling you to move forward and not stay back there and nurse that person. But there are people that are coming to the house that are wanting help, that are wanting relationship. They want to dig deeper, and they want to move onward with their walk with me. They, they, they want to be discipled. They want to be in relationship. They want to come and do what God's called them to do. I feel like I'm talking to some people today who need to burn the plow and slaughter the oxen. I know it's sentimental, but if God is beckoning you onward, then you need to make the move and don't hesitate. You need to face the future with a new determination that God can do only what he can do, and you cannot. You cannot have the miraculous, and neither can I, if we're not willing to take on the mantle of God's ability working through you. Another suggestion, take it if you will, this onward might be changing your attitude and stir up your passion. Here's what I mean by this. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, For this reason I encourage you to fan into flame the what? Gift which is in you by the laying on of hands. I'll take you old school King James Version. Stir up the gift. Fan into flame the NIV Stir up the gift, the King James Version. Stir up the gift that is where? 
in you. If you're a believer in this room today, you at least have one gift. Now, I don't give those gifts out. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives out gifts. Some of you have more than one gift. What is that gift? Could you ask the person, this is by no means condemnation or discouragement, but maybe it'll just get people thinking. It doesn't mean you're going to have an answer, but could you turn to the person to your right and left and say, what is your gift? Some of you are like, well, I don't know. We want to help you discover it. Some of you are getting a revelation right now. You're getting a revelation. Like, wow. What is the gift that is in you? So the gift of interpretation I heard over you. That's great. So you, there's gifts in this room. There, there, there's gifts in you. So he said, you have to fan into flame. Fan into flame the gift that is in you. Fan into flame. What is the gift that's in you? Now, do you know there's a natural depletion of batteries in your car today? As our cars are sitting in the parking lot, they are depleting in their power. Yep, they are. That, that's the natural progression. So, so batteries slowly leak its power over time. You know that. The reality is the, bower, the, the battery comes with about 12 volts. It can go up as high as 13 or a little higher as you're running in the alternator and all those things, those things. But it's natural for it to go down over time. It's constantly depleting over time. So it actually gets depleted. And sometimes people need to get a new battery. So you'll know that today if you walk out to your car and you can't start it, you may need a jump start or whatever it may be. But if your vehicle just sits there, you know, that's what's going to happen. My point is, everyone who follows Jesus has routines. Hang with me now. That helps us grow as believers and serve the purposes that God has called us to. Routines like going to church. You're here today, the first Sunday of the year, and I applaud you for that. And you were here and you brought your family. And I thank God for you that you've seen that. But let's keep that going through the rest of the year now. All right? Because the average churchgoer goes half the time more than what they think they do in America. Well, I'm, I'm a committed, I'm there, I'm a member, but uh, it's about 50% now, if not less, that there really are there. That's committed now. Like daily worship, that you are getting yourself in the daily worship. Why? Because I get drained and you get drained and we need our batteries filled back up. Like tithing, giving, serving. How about confession, the staple of the New Testament church that God, I confess my sin. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he said, what? I'm faithful and just to forgive you. We got to do that daily. Like relationships, my God, I'm astounded. I'm astounded. I'm astounded. I'm thankful for those in this church that are plugged into small group, our life group ministries and our different groups throughout all of our generations here, but I'm astounded at how many people walk out the door on Sunday morning, check the box, and think that they can make it on their own. Are you kidding me? You're a target for the devourer without people selling. That's a New Testament dynamic, and we think, oh, I can get away with it because it's 2019, and I can just go listen to somebody preach. I can listen to the best worship out there on podcasts, and I don't need other people. You've just bought into the lie, and you're deceived. I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. I love you enough to tell you the truth. And so people that get, you gotta, you gotta understand, it comes down to routines, routines, routines. 
right? There's a purpose for all that. Because why? There's a slow drain on us. There's a slow drain in our attitude. And our attitude gets run down. You'll find yourself lacking heart and lacking zeal. I do. I do. I, I have to have my attitude change. And so I have to get into the word and I have to worship the Lord. And I got to listen to the voice of God say, John, your attitude was wrong. You're just being a jerk. Why? There's natural human depletion. What's a real fact in our, our humanity? I have those thoughts too. Listen, what I want to let you know is there is not a big spoon in heaven where God stirs you while you're watching TV. Wow. And some have believed that. Wow, I just go, lazy boy, God just churned me up. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's a lie. We think it is. We think, oh, yeah, I can, I can get filled up by just sitting here and, and doing nothing and not go and, and, and not be on mission for the Lord. I'm sorry. It, 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 I'm sorry. It's not even in the Bible. We have to stir ourselves to fan into flame like that little ember that's burning, which charging your spiritual battery, maybe getting a new battery. Some of you need to get a new attitude and stir your passion. passion dies out. Now listen, I've been married for coming up in a few weeks for 26 years to this amazing woman of God right here on the front row. God has blessed me tremendously. I don't even deserve her, but God gave her to me. But listen, we've been married coming up for 26 years. There's other of you that have been married almost double that, if not more. And I, man, that's absolutely amazing. But listen, when we got married, we were 10. It was illegal, but it was fun. Got to have that. So we have to keep doing what we're doing in a new way before the passion dies out, right? You got to keep stirring it. You got to keep fanning into flame. Right? You got to keep fanning it in. So there are difficult times that come in our marriage, and we we know that we we we're, we deal with those and we go through it. But you go through it just like we do. All right, right. There are times when I don't feel like I have any passion. Those feel I don't feel like I have any passion. There are times when I'm sure Kristen doesn't want to be around me because of my rotten attitude, my stinking thinking, and all of those things. Yeah, I know I have that. And there are, there are things in there. And yes, I do need to change. It's not, it's not condoning that behavior. There, that's in there. But listen, growing up when you were young, you would think, well, love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Hello? Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And you just keep acting and acting and acting. Then the feeling comes. And then through it, you begin to keep stirring it up and stirring it up. You keep doing the routine and you find new passion. So you got to learn to feed your passion with the things of God. Because in that portion of scripture, what it goes on to say is that you do that so you can reach the world. So that you can help other people make a decision for Christ. So if you're not feeding the flame and feeding your passion, you're not reaching the world. And that, that's our unique calling. So, so for some of you right now, it's time to make 
a new move, get your passion back, and get a new attitude and turn in your old attitude and let that go and stop letting your old attitude jerk you around. You know, I don't feel like going to church. Some of you are here and you look like you don't want to be here. Some of you look like, I love being here right now. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to get a new attitude. You, you need to get a facelift today. Yeah, man, I got a facelift when I went to church, baby. No Botox. <laughs> Woo, I got Jesus. I got something real. I didn't get a needle in my face. I got something powerful. I got something real. I got something that can carry me now. Now the Botox that eventually lets you down. But anyways, that's, that's another sermon. smile. You need to lift your hands and worship and recognize he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And man, he's going to change your attitude, right? So maturity doesn't mean you stop the routines. Maturity says you keep doing the routines with new passion, right? Hey, the vehicle's great, but listen, if the battery isn't charged, it's going nowhere. Am I talking to anybody today in the house? I'm talking about going onward. I'm talking about going onward. I'm talking about moving forward. I'm talking about heading to where God wants you to go this new year. So what does onward look like to you in your life? Not your spouse. You. What does onward mean? This is a year of the Lord's favor. He's promised that. I don't have to second guess it. Neither do you. Onward means what?